everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm really excited about today's show, so I'm going to jump right in. And with me now is Tatiana Kot. Tatiana, thanks so much for taking the time to be on my podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, so normally uh, this is a show where I talk to somebody who's more closely associated with the world of Argentine tango. But every once in a while, I love bringing in other professionals from other creative disciplines and to hear their insights and to hear uh, their stories and their thoughts and their experiences because I think there's a lot of crossover. I think a lot of people who are learning tango sometimes they get laser focused on tango the dance and just the world of tango and they get kind of um the tunnel vision there but it's really think i think it's really useful to hear from other creative people and to hear what they've done and then maybe you know gain some insights to help uh, the dancers move their their dancing forward so before we start so tatiana how about a little bit about you why don't you tell us a little bit about your creative background i studied ballet in the Soviet Union, remember that country oh, that sure existed? Do. Yeah, I grew up in Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. and I trained and toured with a ballet company there. And then the Soviet Union fell apart, so I couldn't continue with my creative path. I received a master's degree in education. Mm-hmm. That was all that was available, but I didn't stop performing. I was actually, while in college, dancing at a casino owned by Russian oil mafia. Wow. <laughs> during Perestroika. Yeah, oh believe gosh. it or not. It was dodgy, but also very fulfilling creatively. Yeah. And, you know, that time mm-hmm. in the history of my country was when arts were in decline. So you couldn't mm. get the education. You couldn't get a job in the creative field, like a real job. So it was, I had to make a different path. Yeah. And I stopped dancing for a while. I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. I immigrated to the United States Mm -hmm. and I worked at an agency that serves people with developmental disabilities. Oh, wow. I worked for them for 11 years. While doing so, I started taking acting classes. Okay. And I transitioned into acting. So now I'm an actor. I work in theater a lot. Awesome. I act in Russian and English, Mm -hmm. sometimes in Albanian, sometimes in Ukrainian. And I have been working. I came back to dance Mm -hmm. after many years of not dancing at all. Mm -hmm. I met somebody who ignited my, reignited my love for dance. Okay. Her name is Kei Nishikawa. She's a Japanese choreographer who works in New York. In what... Some people categorize as modern dance or contemporary dance, Mm -hmm. but not quite. Her movement, she calls it Ugoki movement. Okay. And it's centered around the golden ratio. Ah, yes. And it takes into account a lot of physics, geography, psychology, neurology. Mm -hmm. So her pieces are often nature influenced or brain chemistry influenced. Okay. They're very different, very abstract. A lot of times they are Mm site-specific. So I have been working with her for 10 years or longer, 11, 12, I don't know. Um, And now finally, I started my solo path, not as a member of her company, but as a soloist. Okay. I'm 46 years old. Mm -hmm. I still dance. Wow. Not everything works in the body, as you can imagine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm still doing it. And... For the past year, I have been choreographing a lot. Wow. 
for theater. Okay. Okay. So Tatiana, really, really quick. That's an awesome overview. So just, I want to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit to, to ballet for the very start. So how did you get interested in, in ballet? Were you, was that always an interest of you for, of yours when you were a child? I mean, I grew up in the Soviet Union. You can imagine. You know, like you see ballet on TV. It's 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 just like they show commercials here in the States. Okay. You switch channels and there is a ballet. So, yeah, I always was drawn to performing. And then I came to a concert mm-hmm. once and that company was performing and I was enchanted. Mm-hmm. I begged my mom to take me to the auditions and I got in. Wow. And it was great. It was very happy 10 years. Nice. What were your first few ballet lessons like? Well, actually, uh, the audition was funny because before I joined the ballet company, I took gymnastics for a year. Mm. So when I walked into the audition room, before they told us to do anything, I lifted my leg up to my head. And then I went into a bridge and into a split before they said anything. And they were like, okay, I'll take, we'll take her. <laughs> very proactive so, of you <laughs> well yeah overachiever too like i can do this mm-hmm. what, were you, what about your first performance were you nervous at all oh absolutely mm-hmm. i danced the part of a little goat okay in a kid's ballet seven little goats and a wolf okay so, <laughs> so i was the little goat okay wow yeah that's 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 awesome. I uh, definitely want to get into more of your other experiences. So one of the things that um, a lot of tango students, you know, one, one great strategy for them to improve is to uh, kind of get out of their comfort zone a little bit and to try performance themselves. Now, some students, they love to perform competitively. Some do it in showcases. Uh, some do it just in their, uh, in their own communities. But it's often touted as a really good way to move one's dancing forward because you have a specific goal to work for and, and so forth. So as somebody who's performed all of your life, like uh, I kind of want to talk about what are some universal basics of performing that you would recommend to somebody not maybe perhaps not just in tango but in other disciplines even if they're not necessarily creative i mean i, I would argue that having some sense of performance knowledge or, or, or presence uh, would be useful even if you're not necessarily a creative person like for instance if you're a professor in a stem field giving a conference talk you know having some of that presence and having some of those performative qualities would go to enhance what it is that one's talking about and so forth. You know what I noticed when I switched from being a ballerina to being an actress? Mm -hmm. That a lot of trained dancers, they have tricks that they always add to their performance. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when the trick is added, it's intended outwards. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I would see people dance with a smile plastered to their face, but the eyes are not in it. Mm. You know, like they're achieving a goal while smiling. Mm -hmm. And again, from working with Kei Nishikawa, I learned that intention is just as valuable as the output, you know, like the stuff that comes out. Mm -hmm. So you have to feel it. You have to feel the joy or the sadness Mm -hmm. Or the thought, if you are, let's say, a professor, right? Mm-hmm. 
you can't just regurgitate the words. You have to be right there with the audience and hold them by the hand. And as an actor, if I'm not feeling it, they're not going to feel it. Mm. There is something about what we do, Joe, mm. you and I and other artists. And for a long time, I thought we were in a very self-indulgent field. Mm-hmm. We like to be looked at. We like to feel beautiful and powerful and flexible. But, you know, as I got older and I've been doing it for a long time, we are neurophysicists. Mm-hmm. We exhilarate the atoms in the viewer's body when somebody watches us through their eyes through the mirror neurons their brain is activated and their nervous system is activated right when you watch somebody joyfully dance you feel Mm -hmm. joyful yeah when you watch somebody performing something that is sorrowful you feel it Mm -hmm. so this is what you can't fake and i feel like tango is such a graphic in the terms of line and shape mm-hmm. modality that by creating those shape shapes you take your audience on a journey mm-hmm. right you can't cheat them yeah. you have to be committed to each single shape and each single transition because they are on the journey with you right you're mm-hmm. not just throwing chunks at them yeah it's a line it's like embroidery you're just embroidering that image Mm -hmm. you have to let them absorb it and feel Mm -hmm. so i feel like for any performer don't treat it like a mask don't treat it like a costume that you put on Mm -hmm. if you enter the media that you're in be in it Mm -hmm. even if it's for that two minute piece mm-hmm. right yeah. you have to live it so i think now that what we do is very important and making people feel joyful or educating people or inspiring people or lifting people up or giving somebody hope because mm-hmm. you definitely can give somebody hope mm-hmm. with the art yeah it's very important especially right now yeah. i am a daughter of a Ukrainian father and a Russian mother, and there is yeah, a war. Right. Part of my family is in Kiev region. Mm-hmm. They're being bombed right now. So what I can do while being in New York right now, I am assistant directing and choreographing a play mm-hmm. about the time in Russia when Stalin was the leader of the nation and there were repressions and the arts were being crushed. Yeah. The companies combined out of artists from Russia, Ukraine, Israel, United States. So we're in it together. We we are doing what mm-hmm. we can to give people of our origin an exhale, mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. So if they're there with us for two hours, this is what we can do. We can just make them feel better yeah. for two hours. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, just putting yourself in that mindset of, um, you know, even if it we can't do something directly, we can perhaps put a mind, put ourselves in a mindset where we can start thinking of, uh, of solutions. Yeah, absolutely. For the arts and for dance. I remember I used to live in New York as well. And um, when I'm going out to tango dance, so many people, like you said, there's that 
um, that that connection and then that investment. Like, is there a lot of people you dance with a complete stranger and you're connected with that stranger for a few minutes? Um, you're not talking, you're dancing, but it is a conversation. That act of just giving somebody your undivided attention to say, "Hey, you matter for these few minutes," and that is so important. And you don't even have to say anything. Yeah, and like you said, you can't wear it as a mask. Some people go through the motions, and you know, and you know, you, yeah. you they can be a technically wonderful dancer, but if they're just going through the motions, just dialing it in, you're gonna know. And yeah. regardless of the level, I've danced with some beginners before who maybe had two or three lessons. Of course, they're not the most graceful dancer, but if they're giving you their attention, wow, it's, you know you can build from that. And that's a, that's a very powerful thing, like you mentioned. I'm really glad you, you put it so clearly for us. Yeah, just give give that attention to, to people, whether it's an audience or an individual, you know? And that's, uh, that's and, really and nothing. Cool. Mm-hmm nothing can replace the eyes that are looking at your eyes right right mm-hmm. we have it so rarely nowadays everybody yeah. is glued to their screens and and right. life is so technologically polluted and we are bombarded by news and ads and mm-hmm. like all kinds of crises but if you can look at another human being for mm-hmm. two minutes that you're with them it's precious and and again i am preaching to the choir i am mm-hmm. sure but Whoever is listening, if you can take a dance class, yeah. If you can take a dance class in person, just go mm-hmm. look at another human being. Yeah. Put your phone away, just dance. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And that's our time cool. on Earth is so limited. Mm-hmm. And and that's a note to myself too, because I always wanted to take a tango class. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you are so wonderful, wonderful teacher. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna finish this production, and I'm gonna go take a tango class. <laughs> yeah, there. It's a wonderful community there in New York. Yeah. Have you ever tried tango or partner dancing? I know you've done ballet. Have you ever uh, had? The- I, I I I actually took some mm-hmm. a couple tango classes, a couple of salsa classes, a couple of mm-hmm. uh, swing classes. Mm-hmm. You know. At gyms and whatnot, but it was very episodical, and honestly, I don't remember. Much. <laughs> okay, yeah. So a lot of a lot of people listening, uh, you know, the, a lot of the tango students listening or the dancers listening, um, they're going to have their first performance at some point, um, and I don't think there's any way to really uh, get over. I guess not necessarily the stage fright, but that nervousness that comes in when you're about to perform. Uh, I guess the the best way is to kind of dance with that feeling right because you can't suppress it you can't eliminate it it's it's going to be there so with all of your experience tatiana what are some tricks or what are some things that you would perhaps recommend that we that we do moments days minutes before that performance when you really when it starts to become real (laughs) you know and not just in that situation Mm -hmm. but also in other situations when have to do something that is hard. Mm-hmm. I just say to myself, look, you have the privilege mm-hmm. of making a step onto the stage and there will be people who are there for you. Mm-hmm. They bought tickets. They made time in their life to come and watch you do the thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. There are people in the world, again, there are bombs falling on them or mm-hmm. they're trying to hustle up something to eat. And you are here 
in these shoes, in this costume, about to go on stage. How lucky you are. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that you have the stage nerves, it's also a gift. You're like, I am worried about my performance while all of those other people are worried about, you know, survival mm -hmm. and, and, and their kids and, you know, housing. Right. So I take those situations not as challenge. Mm -hmm. They're gifts. This is a gift every mm -hmm. single time. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Somebody is giving you two hours of their time to look at you. Mm -hmm. You can't ask for more. Right? Yeah. So it's a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a beginner, especially if you're just starting. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this is amazing. You got this gift. Mm -hmm. Somebody actually decided that they would spend their time watching you do your thing. Right. So mm -hmm. what you mess up? You're a beginner. You have mm -hmm. a free pass. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we both know the more you mess up, the better you get. So you have to, you have to mess up those yep. first hundred times mm -hmm. and then it's going to be fine. Right. Absolutely. And then you learn so much from those experiences. I mean, you know, it's, it's always better to talk to somebody who's never made a mistake. Imagine if you met someone who never made mistakes, you wouldn't want to be around that person. So, yeah. No. <laughs> and you know, I was a perfectionist mm -hmm. when I was younger because you know, ballet, Russian school, you have to be perfect. You yeah, know, you yeah. have to look a certain way. You have to do mm -hmm. things a certain way. Not anymore. No. Mm -hmm. I would prefer to see people on stage who are alive human beings than mm -hmm. robots. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, what you said about um, people giving you their time. And I think that people, they get so locked into their heads, they're, um, they need to remember that when you do something creative like this, there are people who want you to succeed. You know, we get so, we get so caught up with failure and perfectionism. Um, yeah, but even the people who give us harsh criticism, they, they want us to, uh, to succeed. I remember I, I think I've told the story millions of times to my other viewers, but uh, I had this one tango instructor, this older lady, um, I, but she was a former ballerina and she was very, like in the class, she was just very, very strict. And I remember she kept like yelling at me, calling me out, but it wasn't just to make me feel bad. I mean, I could tell she really cared and I kept coming back to that class. I mean, I, I was broken down the first time I met her. You know, when she called me out in front of the class to do this one sequence, I was the only one who couldn't do it. She said, nobody leaves till he gets it right. <laughs> so, and then I remember just going back on the subway train, I was just crushed, but I still thought, well, I still want to do this. And uh, yeah, but, but a lot of the other students in my class said, yeah, well, the reason why she keeps picking on you because she kind of likes you, Joe. <laughs> she wants you to succeed. I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I'm sure that's, uh, you know, a lot of other people have had similar experiences. Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about instruction, the instruction you received. I mean, you started off in the former Soviet Union, eventually came to the United States. What were some, I guess, really different teaching styles you've encountered? Um, and I, I suppose there have been so much good and bad that you've seen, you know, what to do, what not to do for your students and many different approaches to teaching. So what were some, uh, I guess, some instructional experiences you've had on the receiving end that have still stuck with you over the years? My ballet teacher, Nelly Vasilyevna Dilbaeva, just passed away in November. Mm. She passed away from cancer. And the 
perfectionist approach, the way they trained ballerinas, athletes, mm -hmm. scientists. You know, if you think about Cold War and how everything was perfect and rigid. Yeah. Um, everybody was held to really high standards. I mean, some of the girls that I trained with, they were able to enter professional ballet companies just upon graduating high school. So that's how wow. good mm -hmm. that company that I was a member of, that's how good it was. Um, and for the longest time, I thought that if I'm an instructor and now I teach myself, mm -hmm. I will not be as rigid and as strict mm -hmm. as she was to us. However, mm -hmm. my base, my everything, my foundation that I still use to this day, she gave that to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of that stuff that was not massaged, but mm -hmm. rather beaten into me, even though she didn't beat us, right. uh, despite the common stereotype, mm -hmm. but she was very, very strict. All of this stuff is still in me. Mm -hmm. I am 46. I stopped training with her when I was 17. It's still in me. Wow. The idea of what a harmonious movement or a good line should look like is in me because of her. So we were not in touch for a long time, but then we found each other on Russian Facebook. And every time I would write to her about my successes, mm -hmm. about the things that I've done, about the awards that I have received, I would always thank her for mm -hmm. teaching me this and that. Um, in the United States, even in classical ballet, mm -hmm. it's softer. The training style is softer. Yeah. And it's probably better for the psychological development of mm -hmm. a dancer mm -hmm. that you're not being constantly crushed. Mm -hmm. Because back home, it was like military for kids. This okay. is how I remember. We trained five days a week or six days a week, three hours at a time when we were younger, mm -hmm. five hours at a time when we became older. <laughs> so you can imagine all those hours, they do result, you know, in better results, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. the work pays off. Yeah, I can't imagine parents, let's say in New York, sending their kids to three hour dance classes five times a week. They would go broke. Yeah. Back then, in the Soviet Union, all of our training was free. It was sponsored by the state. Okay. So, you know, the state wants you to do great. So you can go and compete for the state, mm -hmm. let's say. Yeah. The same for the athletes. All of the, like, extraordinary Russian gymnasts or, I don't know, what other athletics were. Yeah. Figure skaters, mm -hmm. right? It was hours and hours and hours of work that people could afford because it was free. Mm -hmm. Here, everything is for money. Right. Um, so uh, parents can't afford that. Yeah. However, I really like the well-rounded approach mm -hmm. that exists, let's say in New York. Mm -hmm. Ballet dancers take hip hop classes and contemporary mm -hmm. and salsa, you know? So yeah. they're more well-rounded. Mm -hmm. You can put them basically in any other style and they would do well. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. And frankly, Joe, mm -hmm. I am so in love with contemporary dance now okay. that 
I just love it. Nice. Yeah. So um, you, you start off with with ballet. That was your thing. What was the? I guess what was the the next type of dance that you that you were introduced to? Outside after ballet. Um, if you consider like Las Vegas review a style mm-hmm. of dance, yeah, that okay. Dancing in heels with feathers on your head, <laughs> whatever that style is. Yeah. So earlier, you, yeah, you mentioned something really interesting. Like you, you danced at a was it a casino owned by Russian mobsters? That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. How did you get into that? That is a really interesting story. A friend of mine from college mm-hmm. got a gig. Okay. And then she had she had to leave on tour, and she was like, "Do you want to replace me?" So I came and I auditioned, but funny thing, I auditioned after I spent my first summer working in the States. I was working at a camp for people with disabilities. Okay. And during my first American summer, I gained 13 pounds of weight. Mm-hmm. So when I showed up for that audition, <laughs> I was big. Oh. <laughs> and the mobster manager watched me dance. So mm-hmm. we had to prepare a number. I found a partner, we practiced some, and then mm-hmm. we did our dance. He was like, yeah, she moves really well, but she's so big. Oh my God, wow. So <laughs> I got the job, but I didn't eat anything rather than bananas, oatmeal, and yogurt for about six months. Oh, Tatiana. <laughs> yeah, I swam twice a week. Mm-hmm. Again, we rehearsed and we performed. And then after six months, the same manager came up to me and he was like, can you start eating now? Because <laughs> this is like a little too much. Too much. <laughs> because it's a casino, you know, right, like you're yeah. supposed to have, you know, shapes, boobs, you know, butt, something. <laughs> I think I was working too hard on like mm. being light and thin. And he was like, you can start eating now, please. <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm. I knew that the my place of employment employment was dodgy mm-hmm. but I was being paid to dance yeah. which was incredible while working while teaching English mm-hmm. at a high school and teaching dance at a university studio so I had three jobs mm-hmm. every single day I was going from one to another mm-hmm. you know working at night at the casino teaching kids in the afternoon it was wild wow what year was this 1999. Okay, was this into 2000? Okay, so 99 to 2000. That's what I did. Okay, so you so I take it dancing at the casino did it give you a a lot of creative latitude to try new things? Oh, yeah, okay, including a tango number that we did to a techno version of tango. That's awesome! Wow. Who came up with these ideas? Were, were the dancers come up with this the cell themselves or was there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we self-choreographed. Yeah. That's great. So they gave you the freedom to do all of that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So would you say well, that? Well, they knew they knew nothing about dance, right? They okay. were mobsters. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're businessmen too. They they kind of outsource to, yeah. to the experts. Yeah. We'll, we'll pay you and you do your thing. And okay. Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. <laughs> it's funny that my partner and I got fired oh, from really? that job. Okay, because we were, you know, we were getting gigs at other places, 
and the manager got very upset that we danced the same numbers okay. and used their costumes. But oh, okay. Joe, we made $150 a month. Okay. And, and that's what I lived on. Um, and my teaching jobs combined paid 50 a month. So mm -hmm. I managed to rent an apartment okay. and feed myself and my sister on $200 a month. Wow, now where was this? Was this still in Kazakhstan? That was in Russia. Uh, okay, okay. Which yeah, I, 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 I went to, so I finished high school in Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. And again, the country fell apart. Mm. Entering a college without connections or bribes was virtually impossible. Wow. Yeah. So I was able to get into the same university that my mom studied in, in mm -hmm. Russia. Okay. So yeah, I got my master's there. Okay. The city is called Kurgan. Okay. Um, and the casino was there. So I finished college. <laughs> mm -hmm. I worked in a casino for a year. And then I tried Moscow. After mm -hmm. that, I tried to stake my ground in Moscow. It didn't work so well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then New York. New York. The how, best place in the world. How did you end up in New York? When I came to work at the summer camp for mm -hmm. people with disabilities, the camp was in Kentucky. Oh, wow. Okay. But we flew from Moscow to JFK mm -hmm. and we got put up in the Columbia University campus for one night before taking our flight to Kentucky. Okay. And that one night, that I didn't sleep a wink because of the time difference and jet lag and excitement. Mm -hmm. I was in New York. I didn't even see any sights. Mm -hmm. I just wandered around Columbia and I fell in love with the city so yeah. much that I swore to myself, I will do anything. Mm -hmm. I will clean toilets. I will do <laughs> the most challenging, physical, dirty job. Mm -hmm just to live here, just to be in this place. It's my place of power, still is. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I did do cleaning jobs. Mm -hmm. I did change diapers. I did a lot of <laughs> cleaning and washing and whatnot, but I'm here and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a love from first sight yeah. till now. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're, you're onto something there, Tanya, because there's something about New York, there's something about the environment you're in. There's this energy in New York that really drives people. And that can be taken in a really good way, in a really bad way. I'm glad you went the good way. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, but when I started doing tango in, in, in New York, I mean, there's so many other people who are just like, not com I wouldn't say competitive, but really, really high achieving people who are, would do anything. They get into all other activities, but for the people who are into tango, you kind of fed off of that. And there are so many other people, you know, kind of, building each other up in some ways, even if, you know, you just watch it, it's like, I want to do that. I want to be like that. And then it really brings out the best in a lot of people if you, if you let it, if you're careful. So yeah, that's great that you're, that you're still there. I know there is a lot of things in, about New York that we don't like, but there's a lot of really wonderful things too. We don't want to, we don't want to forget that either. <laughs> so, you know, Joe, yeah. I think the main thing that you mentioned is the community. Mm -hmm. I found my tribe. I yeah. found my theater tribe and I found my dance tribe. Mm -hmm. I have been dancing with the same dance partner. Her name is Victoria Zaretsky for the past 12 years. Mm -hmm. We have been 
choreographing and dancing together and improving together and touring together. I call her my dance sister. Mm -hmm. And her and I, we've been together for so long, mm -hmm. but finally it's just two of us. We're not a member of a collective. It's mm -hmm. just us. Well, we call it Rise Collective. It's mm -hmm. like our thing. And we're starting to do work in a very different direction. She's also a trained ballerina and a trained contemporary dancer, but we are starting to create this um, multimedia pieces that mm. combine video projection, but not in the traditional way. Mm. Um, we're still in the process of building our new multimedia piece. There will be video, there'll be VR, nice. virtual reality yeah. in it mm. with dance. They will, there will be even interaction with soil and plants. We're trying to activate viewers' neurons on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. We're planning to take this piece to, to San Francisco. We have an invitation from a great mm -hmm. uh, gallery, art gallery. Mm in San Francisco, they want to, to house us mm -hmm. for maybe a weekend in October, this coming up October. Mm -hmm. It will be dedicated to women, breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I am a breast cancer survivor. Okay. Wow. So we're building a lot of stuff around the journey of a cancer survivor mm -hmm. from the inside. Yeah. It's not about the pink ribbons. It's not about, you know, the commercial stuff. Yeah. We're trying to get into the mind of somebody who's just diagnosed and somebody who's trying to climb up from that black hole yeah. that the diagnosis is. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine, right, it's a lot and there'll be a lot. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to make this piece to inspire women and not to give up yeah. and feel that somebody else is dealing mm -hmm. with it and we're together and you can reach out. So we're trying to build mm -hmm. another community mm -hmm. of Good. people who can support each other. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, community in New York. I found my dance family. I mm -hmm. found my theater family. I found people that I collaborate with who are artists, painters, uh, drafters mm -hmm. and you yourself as an artist yeah. can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. I model for artists a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's another community that I cherish. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like all of these modalities are connected. Yeah. And yeah. we are connected, right? Absolutely. Like once you find your people, yeah. that's all you need. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Tatiana. Wow, Tatiana, this has been a lot of fun. I know you're on a really tight schedule today. You had a big show opening up a few days ago. You got to be there later today. Um, and I'm just keeping an eye on the clock, but I would definitely love to have another chat with you sometime because there's just so many so many things I want to I want to get into. Um, so before we go, uh, I do want to thank our our uh, our friend, our mutual friend, Monica Steady, for getting us connected. Monica is an old friend of mine from our grad school days at NYU, great guy. Uh, so Monica, if you're out there, thank you uh, for getting me connected with Tatiana. I had a lot of fun. So again, ton of other things I'd love to talk to you about. Hopefully uh, we'll stay in touch. I'd like to have you on the, on the podcast again. So before we go, where can we find out more about you online? I have a website, um, 
actresstatianacott.com. Okay. Uh, Tatiana with a Y. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll have it spelled and out in our show notes so people will be able to look you up. Great. Uh, my Instagram is the same way. My Facebook is the same way. Actress Tatiana Cott. Okay. Because there is a photographer, Tatiana Cott. Oh, I'm not her. Okay. I'm the actress. Okay. Well, photographer, I think, lives in Moscow. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little different. So, actress Tatiana Cott. Mm-hmm. It's me. My hashtag on Instagram is Red Storm. It's a nickname somebody gave me. So, I just live by it. Beautiful. I also wanted to thank Maduka for connecting us. Maduka is, I've known him for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. He was filming one of the first projects I did as an actor. Mm-hmm. I did a spec commercial where I played Tori Amos. <laughs> and Maduka was filming that, and then we lost touch. But now, mm-hmm. Maduka is my writing partner. Awesome. I just started screenwriting. And he's the greatest supporter and yeah. the greatest collaborator you can find. We basically write stuff and read it to each other and give each other notes. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done a writing session for a long time. I really miss it. Yeah. So I hope we get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. All right. Well, Tatiana, thank you again so much for taking the time. I know you've got a, a busy schedule. Uh, it really means a lot. I think it was really fun talking with you and hearing your insights. And I think that, uh, yeah, this is going to be great for our, our audience. So again, many thanks. Joe, thank you so much. Yeah. This is why we do what we do, right? Exactly. To meet people who are like us, yeah. who, who make stuff. Yeah. I'm actually starting to choreograph my very first musical oh, in wow. April. Okay. I've never choreographed a musical, <laughs> but I am so excited. It's called Sewing the Dream, mm-hmm. and it's a musical about Irish immigrants in New York and how the women mm-hmm. from that diaspora, once they mastered uh, Zinger's sewing machine, They started becoming providers for their family. Before that, they were dependent on the men. But this was a real mini industrial revolution inside that diaspora. So I I, I got a chance to create that in movement. So, yeah, it's my new adventure. I'm so excited. And thank you for inviting me. Sure. Thank you for being here, Tatiana. It It was a real pleasure. All right. A lot of good stuff in that conversation that I hope you find helpful. I really like what Tatiana said, whether you're thinking of performing or not, giving your true undivided attention to an audience or to another human being is incredibly important. And if you're willing to open yourself up and reveal what it is you're able to do and believe in what you're doing, even if you're afraid that it's not good enough, most people will see it and be on your side and will want to see you succeed. So thank you again, Tatiana, for sharing your thoughts and for your time. There's a lot of other stuff I didn't get to talk about, and hopefully we'll have her on the show again. And a big thank you to all you listeners out there. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a short moment to leave a five-star rating or review on iTunes, Amazon, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you're using. That really helps out. Thanks again for your support. All right, you've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.